Welcome to the Boma, New Jersey podcast, where we feature industry leaders, allied partners, and share important industry insights. I'm John Majeski with Ellen Wolf as your hosts. Episode number two is brought to you by Surpro of Eatontown Long Branch and Surpro Hackensack Little Ferry. Leaders in commercial fire, water, mold, biohazard cleanup and remediation. Ellen and I are really excited for a second episode. With us today, we have Bowman, New Jersey Board of Director member, Mark Hockenjos. Mark is also the Vice President of Property Management at Boston Properties. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, John. Yes, Great to have Mark. you here today. And, uh, and Ellen's going to go ahead and get started. Yeah, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I know um, you are a very busy man managing over 2 million square feet on 560 acres of property at the Carnegie, Carnegie Center in Princeton. Um, so we'd like to find out a little bit more about you, what motivates you, where you find the time to do this, serve on the BOMA board, and facilitate many wonderful philanthropic events, um, which we will inquire about shortly. So please, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and where you find the time, energy, and drive for this fabulous career? Sure, sure. Uh, again, uh, I kind of got into the uh, commercial real estate uh, business uh, by accident, I guess. I uh, went to college at Fordham University, having uh, grown up on Long Island. And, you know, uh, while I was at Fordham, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. My parents wanted me to be an engineer. I took some engineering classes. That's not for me. They wanted me to be an accountant. I uh, also uh, took some classes and said, ah, I don't think that's for me either. And uh, ultimately, I landed on prop, uh, political science as uh, an area of study that I found at least interesting. So if I was going to be at college, I felt like I needed to uh, uh, study something that I found interesting. And uh, naturally, that led to property management. <laughs> okay, naturally, of course. <laughs> and elaborate a little bit further on how naturally that brought you to property management. No, I always joke with people that, you know, when they say, hey, what, what did you want to be when you grow, grow up and grew up? And I always say, oh, I always wanted to be a property manager, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's such an obscure profession that uh, near as I can tell, uh, the handicapped gentleman on the office is the only property manager ever depicted on uh, modern television. And uh, but nevertheless, uh, it's been a, a very. Hold on, I just connected that. That is so true. Right. Wow. Okay. But, very, uh, very interesting. Okay. Continue. Sorry. It's, you know, just been a very fulfilling career for me. And uh, I've been very, very fortunate throughout uh, the uh, more than three decades I've been involved in this business. Excellent. So what brought you from Long Island to New Jersey? Well, after college, I uh, worked a few years with my dad in a small uh, general contracting business. Uh, and, you know, I, I did realize that that was also something I didn't want to do for the rest of my career. And I didn't really want to stay on Long Island. Uh, I, I, I don't like places that are kind of, you know, uh, only one way in and one way out. So uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a friend who uh, 
helped me get a job in real estate uh, as a leasing agent. And then uh, ultimately that led to me uh, uh, getting an opportunity uh, for a uh, small regional uh, real estate developer in Delaware to hire me as a property manager. Uh, why they did it, I don't know, but uh, I must have answered questions properly because I had absolutely no experience. But uh, that was the springboard to, you know, give me a lot of opportunity to learn, to kind of create. Uh, and that company was uh, Commonwealth Emory Hill in uh, Newcastle, Delaware. And they gave me, uh, like I say, many opportunities to uh, uh, learn on the job. They uh, certainly supported uh, my education through uh, BOMA and IRAM, uh, you know, so that was very, very beneficial. And, you know, uh, so I went from Long Island to Delaware. And then after about four and a half years with uh, Commonwealth Emory Hill, I joined uh, Trammell Crow Company okay. uh, as a property manager. And then uh, uh, they began a facilities management business. And for a few years, I worked within their facilities management uh, business, uh, bringing on new business and executing uh, the business plans for uh, third-party clients. And then uh, my last three years at uh, Trammell Crow was more on the third-party property management business. So ultimately, I did join Boston Properties in 2000. Uh, you know, if you can't uh, beat them, you join them. And mm -hmm. Who knew that over 20 years later, I'd still be here and still enjoy coming to work and have new challenges. So uh, it's been uh, fabulous. Wow. That, that is quite a journey, a very far away from political science. And uh, we are very glad that you are here with us in New Jersey and not Strong Island or Delaware. So <laughs> right. Had to do it. Um Speaking of some of the challenges, I know um, we are going to get into a little later. We're really interested in how you managed, you know, the response to COVID. We are going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but first, I did a little bit of digging on you and found out that there are so many philanthropic events that are near and dear to your heart. And I'm just going to list a few right now for all the listeners out there. Um, you do blood drives for the American Red Cross. You do 5K runs, including the Tunnel to Towers Princeton, Team Parkinson, Homefront Halloween, Summer Concert Series, Farmer's Markets, Classic Car Shows, Homefront Food and Thanksgiving Basket Drive, Toys for Tots Drive. But wait, there's more. You also host many tenant appreciation days that include after work networking mixers, fitness classes, a Thanksgiving pie event, summer fest, after work party food trucks benefiting the Special Olympics for New Jersey, and ice cream and water days that benefit Alex's lemonade stand. That is quite a mouthful, quite a lot of events. Would you like to share with some of our listeners some information on how we can get involved to support or volunteer or donate? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, I would just say, you know, during the 80s, when Carnegie Center was originally developed, uh, it was conceived as a work and place uh, campus before that was even a thing. 
Uh, so when I began working for Boston Properties at Carnegie Center, the team that was here was already doing a pretty good job in this regard. Uh, over the past 20 years, my team and I have consistently enhanced, looked to enhance our tenant relations and community service, service initiatives. Uh, my team coordinates all of these activities because it's fun to do. Uh, and uh, we also recognize that uh, we're adding incremental value to the property. Uh, we realize that by creating an interactive environment that employees enjoy, those same employees are more likely to stay long-term with their employers. Their employers are more likely to, to attract better employees. And as a result, result of all that, uh, their ability to retain employees and attract best, the best talent, these employers, tenants of ours, are more likely to renew their leases. And dare I say, they may be willing to pay a premium in rent to stay at Carnegie Center. So, you know, again, we're, we're not the leasing agents, you know, that bring in a 30,000 square foot deal that creates a immediate uh, value for the property. But in, in our small way, you know, we're creating value by helping on the tenant retention side and hopefully, again, um, getting premiums for rent. In addition, you know, we take the responsibility of giving back to the community very seriously. We uh, recognize that uh, we are in a unique position to leverage the efforts of over 100 tenant companies and about 6,500 employees to support worthy charitable organizations in a very large and meaningful way. So we conduct, uh, you know, when we conduct a food drive, we collect thousands of pounds of donations. We conduct the Toys for Tot drive, we get hundreds of gifts for the needy children. And another int intangible benefit of our community service efforts is that we, we know that people love doing good. So we make it easy for our tenants and their employees to participate. So, uh, you know, one, one of my interests, personal interests, I love running uh, 5K road races. I used to run track and field in high school. And uh, so early on, uh, we had the opportunity to par partner up with the Parkinson Alliance on their uh, 5K road race, uh, which we hosted here. And we provide a lot of volunteer support and have sponsored as well. And uh, I acted as the race director of that race for 20 years. Wow. And then Do you actually run in all of these races. No, unfortunately, uh, I haven't been able to because I'm on the ground helping to coordinate, uh, you know, traffic safety, the registration, uh, getting the runners to the starting line, shooting the gun and so forth. Uh, you get to I've shoot never, the gun? well, you know, now we do a horn. So, <laughs> well, did but, you see use the gun? <laughs> uh, a while ago, but no longer PC. I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, no. And uh, I served as the race director for that for almost 20 years. And a couple of years ago, we decided to kind of take a step back. We still let them run the race here at the Carnegie Center and we do support their efforts. Uh, but we wanted to kind of kind of look for a new organization to uh, partner up with. Uh, and that organization was the Tunnel of Towers. Um, Tunnel <laughs> Towers Foundation. They were founded uh, after 9-11 to honor a fallen firefighter, Stephen Seller, who had just come off duty when he heard about the first airplane hitting the World Trade Center. He immediately went back to his firehouse, found his squad had already left. So he picked up his gear began, and began driving to the World Trade Center. Uh, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel was closed, so he strapped on 60 pounds of gear and ran through the tunnel to the towers, where unfortunately he perished 
with 343 other firefighters and another 69 other uh, first responders. Wow. So the yeah so the tunnel towers started out small uh by holding an annual run in new york city following steven steps through the brooklyn battery tunnel to the world trade center uh, memorial park and i did get a chance to participate in that event in 2019 i gotta tell you it was one of the most emotional and inspiring events i've ever participated in uh tunnel towers has expanded their program to include 5K road races and stair climbs in high-rise buildings uh, in over 70 other locations outside of New York City. So Boston Properties was planning on having its inaugural event last May, uh, but health and safety concerns uh, related to the pandemic uh, resulted in us having to cancel that event. Wow. Well, I uh, think next year it's going to be even bigger and better, and I am definitely going to participate in that one. I'm so glad that I'm aware of it now. As a New Yorker at the time of uh, September 11th, it is a charity that would be very emotional and memorable for me as well to um, honor all the heroes from that day. So thank you so much for doing that and for telling us about it. I it's a really great cause. It sounds like all of the work that you do are such great causes. Is there one more that you want to kind of touch base on and, and tell us a little bit more about? Well, you know, uh, you know, about seven, six years ago, I got a new uh, regional manager who uh, came to Carnegie Center and I told him about all these great events we do. You know, we do a lot of fun tenant events here at Carnegie Center. Uh, you know, we have a wiffle ball home run hitting contest where we've created a miniature Fenway Park. And uh, we do that on the grounds here. We have a basketball shootout contest and so forth. And I'm telling him about all these great events. And uh, he said, yeah, they're good, but I'd like to do something big. I'm like, okay, what what do you have in mind? I guess, I don't know. Let's roll out some kegs. Let's have a great band and, (laughs) you know, we'll have a great time. And we said, all right, let's give us some time to think about that. So uh, my team and I uh, kind of mulled it over and uh, we kind of crafted an event that uh, uh, has, you know, some of uh, New Jersey's best bands. We've had the Nerds. We've had uh, Brian Kirk and the Jerks uh, perform here. And it's an after work party. Uh, and we, uh, you know, obviously have complimentary beer and wine and other beverages. And then, uh, we invite about, uh, 10 to 12 food trucks. So, uh, this event started out the first year we maybe had 1100 people show up, which was pretty overwhelming, but it's only grown since then. It's morphed into kind of a, a family event as well, uh, you know, tenants, employees go home, get their wives, get, bring their kids back. So we have a whole kid zone and so forth. Uh, but, you know, uh, early on, you know, again, with the idea that we want to do good within the community, uh, I became familiar with Special Olympics, New Jersey through Bowman, New Jersey, who had wow. been a, uh, had been a uh, active supporter of uh, Special Olympics, New Jersey for a number of years. And they're in the next town over. So we thought, well, how can we support this organization through this fun tenant appreciation event. So, uh, you know, what we do is we collect funds uh, for them uh, at the event. uh, And we also uh, try to create awareness about what their mission is. Uh, 
So uh, we have some of the Special Olympics athletes come and speak to the crowd and uh, tell them about their their uh, experiences. And uh, I think it really serves a nice purpose. So uh, that definitely sounds like uh, it. I'm going to pretend I'm your long lost aunt. So you can sign me up for that one too. And I'll be there for this next year's Summerfest because that really sounds amazing. You sure, and- it's, you sure it's not the uh, complimentary beer or wine? <laughs> <laughs> Could be part of it or the nerds or the jerks. I, I don't know. Baseball, you know. <laughs> yeah, count Ellen and I in on that one, Mark. Sure. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, you know, I know we could probably do a whole nother episode just on all of your um, charity work. And, you know, again, it's so nice to see someone that is so involved in that kind of work, giving back to the communities and everything. But I think we do have to move on a little bit. So I think John has some questions for you regarding, um, you know, your involvement with BOMA and some more professional questions. Yeah, Mark, it, it was great to learn more about your personal side and your philanthropic efforts. It sounds like you're a very, very busy guy with a lot in your plate. Um, So it's great to learn about that stuff. We're going to get into more professional questions. So how long have you been managing the Carnegie Center for? Yeah, I've been here 20 years. Uh, You know, again, uh, I I was fortunate uh, to be looking for a job. Uh, They were looking for someone to kind of lead their efforts. Uh, I think, you know, at the time I got here, they were uh, very thin on uh, staff and and procedures and protocols, and uh, I was able to help fill in that gap. And you know, again, over the years, I've uh, developed uh, you know a great team. Uh, you know, who does all the heavy lifting. You know, I'm just the guy that you know gets to be on these podcasts, but uh, they're doing all the hard work. <laughs> yeah, the the team aspect of it's so important. Very important. So we know there's so many things that a property manager must be ready for. You know, emergency preparedness is something that you constantly train for, you know, and I don't think anyone expected this pandemic and how, you know, how it changed our way of life. So could you just tell us a little bit about your COVID response and what you have implemented for reentry? Sure, sure. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know, again, not that I foresaw the extent and duration of uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic that we're uh, living through right now. But uh, back in 2009 with the H1N1 swine flu pandemic, uh, there were some concerns about that. And fortunately, that never materialized like the COVID-19 coronavirus. But uh, shortly after the first case of COVID in uh, the United States, Boston Properties assembled a committee of both internal and external experts to develop a response plan to ensure that our buildings were a safe place for our tenants and their employees to work from. Uh, And while our health security plan calls for enhanced cleaning and disinfection, the introduction of more outside air to the indoor work environment, more effective air filtration, uh, you know, quite frankly, the basics that we've been advocating from the very beginning uh, the use of proper proper use of face masks, maintaining physical distance between yourself and others, and good hand and face hygiene really remain the best defenses against uh, the spread of the virus. You know, our health safety plan, uh, you know, has been in place really since last June, and I uh, I am believe in my to, to my core that. Our office buildings, uh, you know, not just Boston Properties, but a lot, of, a lot of our colleagues who have implemented plans like this are, are very safe places to be. 
uh, providing you're adhering to certain basic protocols. Uh, but uh, it's been an unusual last 11 months because uh, last March, tenants uh, began a work from home program. And again, we thought that was going to last a couple of months. And last June, they'd be back. Last July, they'd be back. September, now January. And ultimately, now with the the uh, vaccination process uh, moving forward pretty, pretty well, uh, you know, it looks like maybe April, maybe June or July of this year, we'll start to see some normalcy. But uh, can't wait for that to happen. Agreed. Could imagine. It's almost one year now. So it sounds like you guys were ahead of the curve as far as your planning from 2009. So you had a little bit, a little bit preparedness as far as uh, from Boston properties and from a leadership perspective. So that's that's obviously a great thing. So when people do come back, what percentage of occupancy do you expect to have? Well, there's there's no doubt in my mind that you know some people are writing off. Uh, office, the office sector and say, oh, people have learned to work from home and no one's going to need to come back to work. And honestly, I, I don't subscribe to that theory. Uh, you know, I think some small companies may choose to continue to work from home and maybe not renew their leases, but uh, large companies uh, are, are going to come back and uh, want to come back. And I believe that that time is uh, coming very quickly. You know, uh, so uh, we're, we're ready for them. You know, uh, we, we've got a property that's full of amenities. We've got fitness centers, uh, cafes that are currently closed, but we, we've got plans in place to reopen them. Uh, we may have to adjust those plans as we get closer to that date, uh, based on, you know, uh, uh, state mandated health, uh, and safety protocols, but, uh, we're ready. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we can't wait. Yeah, I, I could imagine. And, and to touch more about the reentry plans, you know, in the past, we've heard you mention the four C's and two P's in regards to, you know, working to get tenants back to work. So can you just el elaborate a little bit more about that in the reentry plans? Sure. So as I said, you know, uh, I do believe that uh, employers are anxious to have their employees back in the workplace. Uh, and, you know, the four C's stand for collaboration company culture, coaching, and community. And all, all four of these C's have been compromised during the pandemic with so many people working from home. Uh, I know that there are many people, again, writing off the off sector uh, and, you know, uh, and, you know, it, it may have a lasting effect on the office sector, but again, I, I don't believe it will. I do think that uh, we will see uh, the new normalcy. We'll see some kind of reduction in uh, occupancy in the future uh, because, again, some companies are going to uh, implement work from home strategies at least part time. You know, so employees, you know, who used to work five days a week at the office may only work four days a week. Uh, and uh, other employers are going to you know, spread their people out. Uh, hopefully they take more space when they spread their people out. But if they don't, they'll just probably work with fewer people in the space, but they'll be more physically distant from one another. Uh, so we do not realize that that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, uh, Again, I can assure you that most companies, especially larger companies, are looking forward to coming to the office workplace and that day is fast approaching. And these companies, I believe, recognize that there are two Ps 
productivity and profitability have been negatively impacted. Uh, we live in a very competitive world you know, where the slightest reduction in productivity can have a significant negative impact on a company's profitability. No one can convince me that a vast majority of employees are more productive working in their kitchen, in their bedrooms, in the, on their dining room table, conducting Zoom calls while versus collaborating with their coworkers in an innovative and creative office work environment. People say they're less distracted at home. Are they? That's not true. <laughs> yeah, they, I don't believe that too. You I don't, I don't to, think so. You mean to tell me that children, their schoolwork, your significant other, aging parents, television, walking the dog are less distraction than you know being in a workplace that allows you to focus on a task at hand? Uh, do you feel like employees feel more connected to their company's mission and culture today than they did 18 months ago? That connection is quickly slipping away along with the company, you know, the employee's dedication and allegiance to its company. You know, uh, another point is how are junior employees, much less new employees getting properly trained in their new roles? There has to be some slippage in this regard, reducing their effectiveness and productivity. Even if these employees can somehow excel in a work-from-home environment, are they really getting as much recognition as they deserve? Coaching and mentoring is so important for the development of our younger employees and the future of our companies. And then lastly, community is closely aligned to company culture, but for a Carnegie Center tenant, community takes on a much broader definition. As described earlier, my team and I coordinate tenant relations and community service programs that help make coming to work pleasant and enjoyable. And presumably these, these results re, Presumably, this results in greater employee retention and ability to attract the best employees, resulting in higher tenant retention, higher occupancy, higher rents, and profitability for uh, real estate owners. We are gearing our 2021 program to be heavily weighted for the second half of the year when we expect most of our tenants to repopulate their office spaces. We want to really accentuate the work and play concept right from the start of their return. We believe that there is a tremendous amount of pent up thirst by our uh, employees, uh, our tenants and their employees for socialization and interaction. We hope to satisfy that thirst in a safe manner and adhering to all applicable health and safety protocols with many of the events that you've listed above, earlier. At, uh, and I can't think of a better way to quench that thirst by having a cocktail at an after work networking event. There you go. Do you Agreed. have any, any offices for rent over there? I think I'm moving in. <laughs> we, we have some space. Excellent. Good to know. So, Mark, I mean, you were hearing all the great things about your property. We know you guys have been the recipient of a few awards, including a recent Toby Award, which we'll get into a little bit later. But you could, t could you tell us a little bit more about the Urban Land Institute Award for Excellence? Yeah, the Urban Land Institute Award for Excellence is... Uh, of extremely prestigious award uh, and Carnegie Center was the recipient of it in 1990. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's recognizing great properties uh, worldwide and, you know, uh, it not only focuses on design and architecture, but again, the whole campus. So when I said that, you know, Carnegie Center was a work and play uh, environment from the start before that was a thing, 
that's what was kind of recognized, you know, that, you know, it has beautifully landscaped grounds, lots of amenities, walking paths, uh, sculpture, you know, beautiful ponds. It's just a, a sight to behold. So uh, that's, I think, what was recognized uh, by the Urban Land Institute. Well, congratulations. Wow. And again, did I mention I'm moving in? <laughs> <laughs> So, Mark, let's, we want to find a little bit more about your uh, BOMA, you know, involvement experiences. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into that. So how long have you been involved in BOMA and what committees have you served on or headed? Well, uh, before joining Boss Properties, I was involved with uh, BOMA in Philadelphia. And then, you know, for the last 20 years, BOMA in New Jersey. And uh, you know, along the way, I've picked up more and more responsibilities. I've served as a Toby judge at the local level, at the MAC and international levels. I've served as a moderator during chapter meetings that featured panel discussions. I've been an instructor on a, uh, for a couple of BOMI RPA classes and the foundations class. And I've served on the board of directors for about three years now. Uh, and, you know, as a result, I've been uh, serving as the board liaison for the education committee, John, that you are the chair of, and the en energy and environmental committee. Okay, great. You got to get involved, right? You, you definitely have to do more than just attend the meetings. It's, it's best to definitely get involved, build relationships. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, one of the best benefits of BOMA is uh, your opportunity to network with uh, your peers. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's really an intangible, valuable thing that uh, is out there for everyone. Uh, and, you know, it, it's something that uh, every member should take advantage of. You know, again, uh, we, we're constantly promoting young professionals. Uh, and, you know, your involvement in BOMA, you know, you shouldn't look at it as, you know, a chore or a task. It, it's an investment in yourself uh, because you're, you're going to learn, you're going to get so much more out of BOMA than BOMA, you know, than BOMA is going to, you know, get, get from you. So even by volunteering a little bit, you're still going to get much more out of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I strongly recommend people to participate on committees and so forth. And, you know, along the way, you're going to, you know, be able to interact with your peers, uh, you know, reach out to them in a non-competitive way and say, Hey, I've got this issue. I remember you telling me about an issue you had and how did you solve it? Uh, and beyond that, you know, again, BOMA is made up of, you know, uh, members that are in the uh, property management business, but they're, uh, we've got our allied members and, uh, the allied members are, are a tremendous resource because the same way, you know, you run into an issue, uh, you can reach out to your allied members and ask them on how to solve it. And uh, many times uh, they're, they're leading in the right direction because they, their professional reputation is on the line there. So they're not going to try to just sell you for the sake of selling you. They're going to give you some good direction, whether they get your business or not. Yeah, Absolutely. So once we return to a bit of normalcy, uh, is there one annual BOMA event that you feel is a can't miss and, you know, why? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just can't wait to get to a chapter meeting and just rub elbows and talk and network and 
you know, be with other people, you know, again, uh, all of us are just waiting for that opportunity to interact again. You know, we're missing our families, we're missing our colleagues at work, you know, and uh, so any one particular event, uh, I don't know, you know, again, uh, the the uh, casino night uh, has always been fun and, you know, the allied great members time. do a great job on that and the golf outing and, you know, uh, the bowling, you know, event for the uh, uh, fighting childhood <laughs> cancer. I mean, these are great events that, uh, you know, allow us to get together and do some good at the, at BOMA. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely agree. So we know that you're the recipient of the prestigious BOMA Toby Award. So for any listeners out there who are unfamiliar with it, can you tell us a little bit about it, the process of preparing for it, and what it feels like to win? Well, Toby isn't just the HR guy from the office sitcom show. Uh, <laughs> Toby stands for the Office Building of the Year Award. And uh, my team and I have been fortunate enough to win multiple Toby Awards at the local and regional level. Unfortunately, we failed on three occasions to win the international Toby, and this remains one of my biggest career goals. While I would have tremendous personal pride if we were win on the international level, I want to win because I know we are managing a world-class property at Carnegie Center, and it would be a wonderful reward for all the hard work put forth by my management team. As for the process, one can prepare by, you know, applying at the local level, uh, completing a very short application at the uh, appropriate time, which is followed by an inspection by local judges. Uh, but between the time you submit your application and the judge's inspection, you and your team have a lot of work to do to prepare for the inspection. This includes having uh, information available about your team's uh, community involvement, tenant relations, energy conservation efforts, uh, the building's energy, environmental, regulatory, and sustainability performance, as well as your emergency preparedness and staff training initiatives. Uh, like, like I say, it sounds like a lot of work, and it is, but it becomes easier each successive year. Uh, and in addition, Bowman, New Jersey offers up many volunteers who will assist you and guide you through the process. And if you're fortunate enough to get beyond the local level and get to the MAC level, Bowman MAC offers uh, prejudging to help you fine tune your submittal. Uh, ultimately, you know, again, I, I find it to be a great exercise. You know, we want to win recognition for our property, but ultimately it really helps you and your team to consistently improve your property year over year. Oh, that's great. So what is your most memorable BOMA experience that you have in all these years being involved? Again, another tough question because, you know, there are so many, you know, uh, great memories and so forth. Uh, I, I, early on, I remember really enjoying when we had the Toby Awards Dinner at the Meadowlands. So not only were we there to celebrate some great buildings and hopefully win an award, but uh, we got to do some uh Betting on horse racing, uh, nothing beats that. But uh, as it was I a mentioned, good time. yeah. But as I mentioned, uh, you know, some of the other events, the casino night and uh, the bowling uh, event and uh, the golf tournaments uh, and uh, holiday party, all great events uh, where you get to, you know, spend time with people you care about. Agreed. Absolutely. It is hard to just pick one. It is. Yeah, they have so many great events. 
So, Mark, do you think there's any possibility for BOMA presidency in your future? Wow. That would be a tremendous honor. Uh, I have so much respect for our current president, Dana Getz, and all of our past presidents. I, I just don't know how they're able to balance their work, their personal and their BOMA responsibilities. Uh, while I don't really aspire to be the chapter president, I do want to continue to contribute to the success of the chapter in other other ways. You know, I, I feel like, you know, again, as I said, Bomer gives so much to you as a real estate professional. I, I just want to give back in, uh, in, in different incremental ways. That's great. Well, it, it does sound like you're doing a fantastic job yourself of balancing all the things that you do, including watching Green. all of the episodes of The Office. <laughs> um, but we actually, uh, we're going to wrap it up with some think fast questions. This is probably going to be the most difficult part of this interview. So are you prepared? Well, people that know me know I don't think very fast, so I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, I think you're going to do just great. I'll start you off nice and easy. Pork roll or tailor ham? All right, so I'm not a native New Jerseyan. <laughs> uh, I, I believe there is a central New Jersey. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Uh, but I've spent the last 20 years in Princeton in central New Jersey and believe it or not, I've never had either and don't plan on it. I love, I love bacon. Okay. Bacon is Mark, acceptable, you, gotta try one of them. you have to try. You are no longer in Long Island or Delaware. You have to try it. And then you can decide what you would like to call it. I mean, a Taylor ham egg and cheese is one of the, the staples of living in New Jersey. Come on. A bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Delicious. <laughs> okay, fine. Moving on. Um, what is your favorite professional sport? Favorite professional sports? I, I guess it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I love baseball, football, basketball, uh, even hockey during the uh, playoffs. So, uh, you know, I'm a New York fan, so I love the Giants. Who are yeah, Giants. Who technically uh, play in New Jersey. And I love the Knicks. I grew up on Long Island during uh, their four Stanley Cups. So I like the Islanders. And uh, baseball, I grew up a Dodger fan, but uh, became a uh, – Yankee fan when I spent uh, four years of my life in the Bronx. So those are my favorites. Love it. Good answers. I agree with all of them. Beautiful. <laughs> um, what is the best item you ever bought at a farmer's market at your, your events? Yeah. So uh, George, George Seller in our office, uh, you know, came to me last year and said, hey, I'd really like to do farmers markets on campus. I think it'll be well received. And I said, George, I'm always open for new ideas. We'll try it out. We'll assess how it does. And it was so tremendously received that we went past the first few, three months that we initially thought we were going to do it and ran it right through the winter of 2019. Uh, and uh, like I say, it was well received. But uh, he invites Terhune Orchards to our uh, farmer's market, and they have the best apple cider donuts and apple cider. So uh, that's what I like to purchase. 
Okay. I'll have to try that when I move in. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, if you had a gigantic billboard that millions of people would see with your face on it, what would the caption be? Ooh, wow. That's a question out of left field. Giant yeah, billboard. Think fast, think fast. Giant billboard with my face on it. Yep. I, I'd have to say uh, he's got a face for radio and or podcasts. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't agree with that one, but okay. Um, let's see. Summer Tuesdays at Carnegie Center. Go. Summer Tuesdays? Well, again, you know, uh, we're going to start that off by uh, having lunch at one of our beautiful cafes, newly renovated cafes. Uh, We're going to listen to some great music in the 200 Series Greenway. Uh, It's not the nerds or Brian Kirk and the jerks, but a lot of uh, smaller uh, bands that come out and perform. Uh, We have uh, concerts during the summer on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, and then, of course, the farmer's market goes on on Tuesdays during the summer. So uh, I'll be grabbing some of those donuts and uh, apple cider. And coming back to my office and probably falling asleep. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Mark, you know, I have a ton of more Think Fast questions for you. But unfortunately, I think we are coming up on time. So we just might have to schedule you again in the future for a continuation of your interview because you enlightened us on so many things. And I know there's so much more you can enlighten us on, but I want to thank you so much for joining us and agreeing to do this. I know you were kind of uh, roped into it into one of our committee meetings and it's much appreciated. And thank you so much. No, thank you and John. Uh, you guys yeah, are doing you, tremendous work and uh, this is a great innovation and uh, another vehicle to reach out to our membership. So uh, thanks for having me and thanks for everything you guys do. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Boma, New Jersey podcast, episode number two. And thank you again to Serve Pro for sponsoring this episode. SurfPro of the Eatontown Long Branch and SurfPro of Hackensack Little Ferry. They are the leaders in commercial fire, water, mold, biohazard cleanup, and remediation. If you'd like to learn more about sponsorship for our next podcast, feel free to reach out to me, John, or Pat Hanley at any time. And also, if you'd like to learn more about Boma, New Jersey, or better yet, be involved, as Mark let us know it is an investment in yourself, please visit bomanewjersey.org. It is extremely rewarding and you get to find out about all these fun events that we can't decide which is our favorite. So tune in next time for all the Boma New Jersey insider information that you will only find right here on the Boma New Jersey podcast. Till then, I'm Ellen Wolf. And I'm John Majeski. Thanks for listening. Stay well, stay strong, and stay safe.